as you may remember, a group of us went to Kampala last November, and it's wonderful that Mim is with us. Mim works there and is back in the UK for a little bit, and as part of her time here, uh, we're so privileged that you've actually come to spend some time with us and just help strengthen that connection. So we're going to be thinking about children in Uganda, also think about children here as well as we worship together. This term, we are taking passages from the book of Isaiah to help us in our services. And so I want to just start this morning by reading some verses from the end of Isaiah 40. Do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary, and his understanding no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. And Father God, we thank you that we have freedom to come and worship you here this morning, to trust in you, that when we rest in you, you will give us the strength that we need. We thank you for that. Amen. Today's reading is um, Isaiah 40, um, verse 1 to 5, and um, can be found in the Pew Bibles on page 723. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and proclaim to her that her hard service has been completed that her sin has been paid for, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. A voice of one calling. In the desert, prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight in the wilderness a highway for our God. Every valley shall be raised up, every mountain and hill made low. The rough ground shall become level, the rugged places a plain. And the glory of the Lord will be revealed, and all mankind together will see it, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. This is the word of the Lord. Last week we were thinking about Isaiah and how he um, first heard God speak to him and tell him that he had a task for him. Isaiah was going to go and speak to God's people and remind them of how they weren't following the ways of God. Life was really difficult for God's people. They were struggling because all these um, outside forces, these nations from elsewhere surrounding their country, were strengthening and threatening to overtake their country. So God's people were living with the threat of invasion and they were feeling really struggling. And Isaiah comes and speaks to them, and he's quite honest about things. He says, you know, life is really difficult. In some cases, there are reasons for that. In some cases, it's because we've fallen away from God. But actually, what the reality is at the moment is that you're under threat, life is difficult, and you can't see where God is at work. And how often we feel that. We look around, and we see a world that doesn't look as if God is in control. God is sovereign. God is Lord over all. Even on the news this morning, we hear of difficulties in Syria. Terrible things happening to people who have gone to offer aid, who are then facing being taken hostage and being killed. 
We look in our world and we think, God, you promised that you would be with us, that you love your world, and yet what do we see around us? And that's exactly what God's people were thinking at the time of Isaiah. And so the book of Isaiah is full of different things. There are passages of of honesty and truth and saying you've got to sort your lives out. But there's also beautiful passages like the ones we've just read that say there's another way. There's a picture that Isaiah is painting. That actually God's plan is that the world will be redeemed. And that there will be beauty. And that things will be made right. And we live in that period of waiting And we see God working in part and we know and we hope for the future when he will work in completion that we will not see those horrors around our world. And we're going to be hearing about Uganda. We look around in Wanish and see a lot of beauty and a lot of good things. Not always, not in every place. But actually in Kampala, life is very much more different. And yet there is hope. Because of that trust in who God is, people know that life can be different. And that's amazing. Children who are growing up with hope, who wouldn't have had hope before. And we're so pleased that later in the service, Mim is going to come and share a little bit more about that. But but nothing's changed from Isaiah's day. We need to know the reality, but we also need to live in the hope. The hope and trust of who God is and what he wants to do in our lives and how we can see him come and impact and to bring good out of bad and to bring beauty where there is ugliness. What an amazing God we have. Viva, focus on children. And we love children. Good morning to everybody. Some people I've met before and some I haven't. It's lovely to be here. So this morning I'm going to try and help you understand a little bit about, more about Viva our partner network in Kampala, Crane, and some of the things that are happening for children without help and how we're trying to help children. Is that okay? And I'm going to have to have lots of people to to help me. So we've got some slides um, that we will be looking at as well. The first thing is that... What Viva is trying to do, or what our vision is, is to see children well, safe, and, f- and fulfilling their God-given potential, okay? So the first thing I want us to do is to try and understand what does that mean. So I've got those main words, and I need some people to come hold those words up. Okay? Children, safe, well, fulfilled... God-given potential. Any ideas? Mums, dads, uncles, aunties, grandparents, children. First, what is a child? What's this word mean? What is a child? Under 16? Any other opinion? Pardon? Under 18? Okay. Depends where you look, but according to United Nations, it's under 18, okay? So that's, that's what children are, those who are under 18. I have a nephew who is just about to be 18. I don't think he's ready to be an adult. But anyway, so children, what does it mean to be safe? 
What does it mean to be safe? Yes. Okay. Not in trouble or um, not harmed. Yeah? It means that you're protected. What about this? Well. Not the one that you get the water out of. Healthy, well fed, okay? So that's all to do with our our body, isn't it? What does it mean to be fulfilled? Fulfilled. And if somebody clever can also give me a verse in the Bible that describes what it, what God, or how God describes being fulfilled. Any ideas? Life abundantly. And what's that verse? Where does it come from? Jesus says, I want you to have life and have it in abundance. Where's that verse? John 10.10. Exactly. Right? So that's what God wants for us. Now, God given. So there are things in each of our lives that are given to us by God. And that makes me think of In Psalm 139, it says that he knows us and he watches us and he knows every single day. Okay? And this one, potential. Scientists. What does potential? Maybe even finance. What does potential do? What does it mean? It's possible. Okay? So that's what we want to do. We want children to be safe and well and fulfilling or fulfilled in God's plan and and his potential for their life. So that means that everything that is possible in a child's life is achieved. Okay? And we're going to see in a minute that sometimes that's not very easy to do for some children. So, what does, or how does Viva do it? Next slide. So how we do that, we inspire lasting change in children through the power of collective action. The thing that Viva does that is a little bit different is we try and help people to work together. Okay? Because one person might be doing education and one person might be doing sports and one person might be doing... Sunday school or whatever, but there's no one organization, no one person who can do everything for a child. So we kind of group them together and say, okay, how can we do this better by doing it together? Right? So that's what we do. Next slide. We believe that a network of community organizations and churches locally focused, so they're in their community, and united in purpose, is the best possible vehicle to bring lasting change to children. Now, how do we do that? Number one, we think we need thriving workers. So I want somebody, I want an adult who works with children, maybe a teacher or a social worker, So we want this children's worker to be thriving. That means that in their job they're happy and they've got what they need. So we want thriving workers. Then we need to add to that sustainable projects. This is about local community organizations doing things in their community. So 
who does something like that? Maybe you're a volunteer in a, I don't know, a food bank or a Sure Start. Is Sure Start still in existence? What do we call it nowadays? Right. So, thriving workers, sustainable projects, that means they're owned by the local community and run by the local community, so they're not going to stop, plus engaged churches. I need somebody who works in a church. Predictable. (laughs) There you go. Right? So we've got to have the churches working together as well, plus empowered children. So a child who knows what's right and what's wrong and that teachers aren't meant to do certain things to you and if they do, then you know where to go and what to say. Any child here thinks they know. Okay. Plus, what have we got? Thriving workers, sustainable projects, engaged churches, empowered children. Plus... Effective networks, huh, this is tricky. Somebody who helps people work together, get people talking to each other. I don't know if there's somebody here today who has an education network. Somebody who's helping teachers get better, talk to each other, share ideas. Okay. Plus, it's the last plus. Influenced decision makers. Who are our decision makers in our community? Counselors, MPs, maybe head teachers. Any of those here? Anybody is a decision maker in the community? Somebody who can represent them. Anybody who votes? (laughs) If we were in Scotland, we'd be going out to vote this week. And those six things together, we think, will end up changing children's lives. It's a combination. That's why we all have to work together. Because it's not just good enough to have the churches. Because the churches only do certain things. You can't just have the workers. And the decision makers, they really need a lot of help. They really do. So all of those things together... What Viva is helping those networks to do is to bring them all together and talk to each other and see what can be done better for children. Okay? What we're now going to do on the next slide, we're going to talk about what's going on within Uganda. So, the normal situation for children. That's our beautiful, handsome team. Uh, The one in the foreground is Faith. I'm sure one day you will meet her too. She leads that team. And it's a big team. God has blessed us to have people to to help in that work. So imagine you're all people within Uganda. So ten of you represent a hundred. Now, you're all Ugandans. How many of you do you think, are grown adults, and how many of you are children, out of ten, in Uganda? How many of you do you think are children? 55%. 55%. Wow, you're amazing. Right, so, one, two, three, four, five. I can't cut you in half, so I'm going to put you that way. Right, so you four are adults, actually, and you've got to look after all these children. Is that a problem? 
It's too many. And some of you are old, and some of you are only just 19 or 20. You've got to look after all these children. So there's the first problem. We don't know how we're going to look after all of you. Now, you're all children again. You're in trouble, 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 and you're safe. That's what it's like in Uganda. You guys are in serious trouble. You're in a real hard time. You're in a bit of trouble. Your life is not very good, and you kind of, you're normally hungry, you're normally struggling to go to school. You're the only one that's safe. You're the only one that has parents. You're the only one that's going to school all the time. You can get health care when you're sick. Is that a problem? That's a problem, isn't it? Three of you live below the poverty line. The poverty line is how much money you've got every day to live on. Financiers, what's a dollar in, in pounds? 60p, right. So three of you, 60p. That's what you've got for today. And the next day, it doesn't increase. 60p. That's it, that's all you've got. You've got to pay your rent, buy your food, get what you need for school. So how are you going to do that? 60p. What can you buy for 60p? Okay, maybe a cheap loaf of bread. So you're going to have to make choices, aren't you? So that's what most of you are like. Now, where are those social workers? We had a social worker or a teacher or somebody. This is your monthly expenses from the government. How how many pounds there? Four. Four, that's it. So you've got to do your work on that. Four pounds. Fuel costs about 75 pence a litre. Phone calls cost the same as here, so I hope you're all right with that. Four pounds. And there's ten of you in the city of Kampala to look after about a million children. So I want you to do it on four pounds. Is that okay? Now then, the government is very, very generous. So, you're all going to school, yeah? This is how much the government is going to give you for going to school for one year. £1.50. Wow. So this is what the government is going to give for education. Imagine it's £1.50. Okay, £1.50. That's it. That's what your teachers have to spend on school. What can you buy for £1.50 to keep you going for a year? Not a lot. So that means you're going to have to bring your own pens, books, textbooks. Maybe, maybe the teacher could buy some chalk. I want to tell you a story. This one really annoys me. One of the girls we're working with, she stopped going to school. This is why. The teacher said, you must bring a 96-page exercise book. And her mum and dad couldn't afford 96 pages. So the mum and dad said we'll buy you now for 32 pages and then when that's run out, we'll get you another one because by then we'll have some more money. Does that that sound all right? Sounds all right to me. So what happened 
was that the teacher wasn't happy because the teacher had said 96 pages. So what do you think he did? What he did, she would take the book for marking and he got the book and he threw it and he said, I'm not marking it. So she would go and she'd pick it up and she'd go home, come back the next day and what happened the next day? Exactly the same. Now, she did that every day for five weeks. And then she said, I'm not going to school anymore. I think I would have maybe stayed for two days. So one of the things we will be doing in the next two or three years is working with those teachers to say, you can't do that anymore. That is not fair. We've got another slide here that says, two of you, 17%, it's actually less than two, Two of you are going to go to secondary school. The rest of you, you're not going. Can't afford it. And how old should you be when you go to secondary school? Eleven. Right. But they keep stopping you from going up because you haven't done well enough in your tests. So by the time you get there, you're about 14. Two of you have a birth certificate. Now, I haven't got my birth certificate here, but here's my ID. Remember, you're the one that's safe. So we know about you. You've got a birth certificate. So the government knows about you, and they're going to plan for you. What about all these ones? You've got no ID. Nobody knows you even exist. Water. Three of you have clean drinking water. One, two, three. So it's boiled, it's fresh, it's good for drinking. The rest of you... There you are, that's your water. Are you going to drink that? Maybe, maybe your mum got it out the swamp. Maybe she collected it from the rain. Do you feel like drinking that? No. Now, when you come to Kampala, you will see a lot of children on the streets. And they have come down from an area that's very, very poor. And people want to help them. But the best way we can help them is not actually by doing anything with, on, with them on the streets, but getting them off the streets and back to their homes. Hopefully that will have helped you to understand just a little bit what life is like for children. Then I'm going to tell you what we're trying to do. So Crane has just over 100 organizations working together. There's churches, there's schools, there's community organizations, bigger NGOs, non-government organizations, and they're all coming together to see how they can do things together. Next slide. They do seven different types of things together. First, they try and get children back home. So there's lots and lots of children in orphanages, and they actually have mums and dads or a mum, or a dad, or an uncle, or a grandma, somebody who loves them and who wants them, but they just can't afford to keep them. So some of my colleagues help the social workers to find the families, do a bit of business with the families so that they can increase their income so they have enough money to look after their own children. And in the, we'll see on the next slide in a minute that they've got... In the last year or so, they've helped 300 children 
to go back home. So that's one of the things they do. Number two, we're working with girls who have dropped out of school. Now, I showed you one reason, didn't I? The teachers are mean. So why would you go to school if the teachers are always mean to you? Sometimes it's because they're poor, they haven't got shoes, or they haven't got a uniform, or they haven't got books. Those things that we take for granted, these school bags, those sorts of things. So they just need a bit of help to get back, and that's what your harvest uh, fundraiser is going to be about, is helping those girls go back to school. We're also working with the teachers to help those te- the teachers in Uganda to do a better job. Third, empowering children. That's helping children and their parents and the places that care for them to know what their rights are and what is right and what is wrong when it comes to childcare. So those children, we're trying to teach, if a teacher treats them like that, that is not acceptable and they need to report it. Number four, maternal and child health. In the slums, where they get water that's like this, it's not a good place. And the children die very young, many of them, about one in ten. And so we're working with people who live in that community to teach them how to care for children, basic health messages, and then they go and share that with their neighbours until, hopefully, we will see that people know what the basic things are to do to keep a child well. Then they do lots of sports together. How many of you enjoy sports? It's a good motivation, isn't it? We just like it. It's better than being in the classroom. So we do sports. We work with children with disabilities because the government just isn't going there. They haven't got enough money. And lastly, we work with the churches. Now, let's have a look at what we've done in the last year. So, 300 children are back in families. 800 girls so far are back in school, but they're just about surviving. They're learning to make crafts and do things that will help them to stay there because they have to pay those things, the school fees and the shoes and the uniform. And the the things that are out there, the crafts, they've made or bought in order to sell to help them raise their school fees. 4,000 children now know their rights. Their parents are being helped to do some business, sell tomatoes or make food or sell charcoal or something so that they have some money. And then we're helping their organisations to do better. Number four, 6,500 mums and dads have heard how to look after their children. If your baby is sick with this, make sure you get them to see a doctor. Quick. 2,000 children are regularly playing sports together. That's great. Imagine being in a league like that. So they play football, netball, volleyball, basketball, trampolines, all sorts. 100 children with disabilities, they meet, they have fun, then they go back to the places they're looking for them, looking after them. And 35 churches are in that network working together around the city. There's many more churches, but that's what we've got at the moment. Okay, now I know some of you are praying for us, and we're really grateful. So here's some things that you can pray for us. One, 
This year, Crane is 10 years old. And so we're looking for the next anniversary, the big anniversary is in 2029. And so we're trying to think, how do we help children in that city, those children that only have £1.50 from the government, they, are, they don't have enough drinking water, they're not really safe. So what can we do in 15 years to see that things are going to be different? So we need wisdom. The roads are not very safe, so we want you to pray continually that we will be safe on the roads. Three, we work with the government, so we pray that the government will really listen to us, they'll work well with us, and that we will be able to influence the way that things are being handled. We want to pray that the parents will be responsible for their children. It's tricky because sometimes when you go and help the parents, they kind of leave the child and think that they then belong to you. So it's really, really complicated. So we need to pray for the parents, that they will take responsibility for the pastors, that they will understand what God wants of them for working with children. And then we pray lastly that children who are mistreated are going to get justice. I'm very happy because the the director of public prosecution who's just been appointed is a man from our church and he's a good man. So we're praying that God would keep him safe and help him to really clean up the system and make sure that people who who are not good people and are not kind to children are going to be locked away and kept there. That's That's what I want. We were asked to choose one thing to help you to know what you can do to help quite immediately. And that one thing is we think for about £40, we can help those girls who are trying to get back to school. We can make sure that they've got the first books and uniform and things that they need. And we can help their parents to set up a little business. So your challenge is that £40 will help get one girl back into school in February next year, because the school year starts in Feb. So every one, and I'm sure we can get you stories of girls who have been helped, every one girl, £40 back in school, staying in school, the parents are doing well, the girls have learnt to do crafts, and then we support them when they're there. At the moment, they're with us, learning to read and write. And then when they've done that, they go back to school. That's a little flavour of what's going on. I hope that's helpful. And the last slide says thank you. We really appreciate your praying for us, your supporting us, and we're very, very grateful. And we want you to keep praying for us and keep thinking of those children so that those of you who... Like in 2029, so 15 years, think of how old you're going to be. Some of you will be 25. Some of you will be 55. If somebody comes back here in 15 years, then we want that to be a different story. And that's what we want you to walk with us and to keep praying until we have a different story to tell. Thank you very much.